from the Mauryan period, we move into the post-Mauryan period. The post-Mauryan period ranges from 200 B BCE to 300 CE, and it is noted for its growing importance of monarchical state system. Uh, for example, groups from West and Central Asia intervened into the politics of the region and played an important role in the polity. And then we have the Indo-Greeks, which are known as the Yavanas, then the Indo-Scythians, the Shakas, uh, the Pahalavas, who are the Indo-Parthians, and of course the Kushanas. So parts of the Mauryan Empire in North India were ruled by the Shungas for a period of time followed by the Kanvas. Then we have the reign of Karavela in Kalinga region around 300 BCE. And apart from this, monarchical powers, significant presence of non-monarchical powers could also be seen in the certain parts of Western and Central India who migrated from the Punjab area. For example, the Yodhyas, the Malavas, the Arjunayanas, we're talking of that. So there was, like the Mauryas, no uh, pan-Indian political power. Now, since there was this invasion of the Yavanas, the Shakas, the Pahlavas, and the Kushanas, so in the earlier period, in the historiography, if we uh, read the books written by earlier authors, we find that this period was known as an age of foreign invasions. And it was uh, taken to be an uh, uh, and, uh, embarrassing interval between the rule of the Mauryas and the glorious, within quote, Gupta period. And there was this perception of identifying this period as a dark age. And that came largely from the Puranic literature, which saw this period as the period of moral degradation and which resulted in crisis of so in social life because uh, these foreigners had come, they had polluted the society. So this was the idea in the Puranas. But if we go by the sources, we find that there was no such catastrophe and rather uh, we can see that this period is um, a period of cultural acculturation and celebration of pluralism. So um, if we look at the sources for this period, then it is the coins, uh, the sources are the coins, the inscriptions, the art historical material and texts. In the political scenario, but or in the if we look at the um, scenario of the polity, we find that um, here we uh, there was a use of um, some epithets for the rulers, which were uh, grandiose titles. So not like Ashoka, who only called himself Raja. So there was these titles um, taken by, for example, uh, Kushana ruler as. Shao Nano Shao, then there was this title Maharajo, Rajati Rajo, and um, the Vedic sacrifices uh, like Ashramedho Rajeshwar also were performed with a view to augmenting uh, power. For example, we know that Pushamitra Shunga, he performed the Ashramedho sacrifices. The next important thing that we find in this period is was to relate the ruler uh, to the divinity. So uh, theoretical treatises uphold the concept of divine creation or divine origin of the king. For example, the Manusmriti explains that Prajapati, Prajapati Brahma, the creator, 
created the king by combining the essence of divinities like Indra, Varuna, Vayu, Yama, Agni, etc. And more or less similar descriptions also figures in the Ramayana, which presents the king as someone who must not always be obeyed, but revered to. Manyascha Pujyascha Nityada. Every day he should be uh, he should be revered and worshipped. So thus the relation with divinity formed a crucial aspect of the polity of the period. So this was a very important thing in the postmodern period where we find that the divine rule of the of the rulers was getting sanctioned. Now, uh, since uh, we have um, uh, discussed that uh, after the, the downfall and disintegration of the modern power, we find the Shungas coming into power. And during the time of the Shungas, we have the Bactrian and in, um, Bactrian uh, invasion somewhat. And uh, it is also referred to in the textual sources. Uh, so uh, when we look at the Bactrian Greek and the Indo-Greek scenario, we find that and in the context of the divine uh, divinity, the divine rule, we, context, uh, we find that there were multiple rulers of the Bactrian Greek kings and Indo-Greeks leading naturally to um, rivalry and conflict. And so there was this, um, but these rulers in their coins, the depiction of the deities showed that there were uh, some kind of relation between religion and power. Uh, gods like gods and goddesses like Zeus, Apollo, Athena, Dionysus, Heracles, and the Dioscuri were popular choices. Uh, though other deities like Poseidon, Nike, Hermes, Dionysus, Tuke, then we have Helios, a lot of other deities were also represented, um, though lost less frequently. So these gods were not mere monetary emblems. They represented the chosen beneficent deity. The gods chosen by the Bactrian and Indo-Greek rulers were those who represented the symbols of royal power. And for consolidation of their power, these successors of Alexander used a certain set of deities who symbolized strength and power among the Olympian deities. Another criterion which they chose, from which they chose the river, uh, deities on the reverse side were their relation with Alexander. Alexander remained a constant factor. But on the other hand, we have that um, very interestingly, the, the, def, uh, the depiction of Krishna uh, and uh, Vasudeva with Shiva, um, uh, Vasudeva Krishna with Balarama in the coins of the um, in the Greek rulers. Uh, then uh, after the Greeks, there were the successors of the Greek in the Greeks in the East, and they continued the Greek tradition of portraying gods on coins and also appropriated the iconography of Greek deities for their own gods. So their coins also reflected uh, a desire on the part of the rulers to incorporate the local deity uh, with the, uh, with, within the pantheon. So we have composite images um, which were created by, which symbolized power and the adoption of the local. Thus there was this shocker ruler called Maves who used to combine attributes of Zeus, uh, which is a thunderbolt and Poseidon, a trident to represent a Shiva-like deity. 
so there was also like um, uh, acknowledging the presence of the local goddess so lakshmi was represented in the coins of agilisus so these kind of things we find in the post mauryan period uh, then uh, when the kushanas came to rule so we find that small territorial kingdoms in the indo iranian borderlands gave way to an empire which was achieved through political integration of the region and which transformed the kushan principality in bactria into a massive empire and so this massive empire included portions of uzbekistan afghanistan parts of chinese central asia northwestern borderlands of the subcontinent mathura and at times beyond mathura through the ganga plains uh claiming of uh, divine status was one of the principal mode through which the rulers could get unconditioned uh, support or unconditional support from their subjects with variant ethnic identity uh, but having invariant faith in the divine devaputra was the dynastic epithet of the kushanas and kujula katfises used it in his coins then there was a kharosthi inscriptions which also have reference to devaputra which means son of gods uh, this in some ways is reminiscent of the roman imperial title like divifilius so roman influence was also seen in the title kaisara we have this um, ruler later uh, kushana ruler kal um, kanishka the second who uh, who in his inscription used the title kaisara kaisara is equivalent to caesar uh, and the dynastic epithet devaputra could also be derived from the chinese practice of considering the ruler as the son of heaven tianzu so therefore these uh, kushanas the romans and the um the uh, chinese han they were all uh, ruling contemporaneously and um, so they were influenced by each other in their uh, thought processes and in their ideologies so we uh, the son, the concept of son of the god was perhaps came from the uh, chinese in the kushana territory idea of the kushanas um and and in many of the kushana coins the rulers were often portrayed on the obverse of the coins with a halo behind the head in the next class uh, synchronous class i will show you a powerpoint where you will have find this pictures of the kushana rulers so the figure of the the nimbate figure of the ruler represented him as a supramundane being showing uh, who is uh, who is shown as uh, being emerging from the clouds which shows that there is a contact with the um, uh, with the divinity uh then we have uh, this uh, kind of titles also uh, for example in the dashtinavur inscription he is known as uh, living uh, domra domrata the kushana ruler is given this kind of titles so all this shows uh which uh, uh, sorry i would like to explain domrata or uh, damrata it is uh, it means law of the living world so uh, vimakatfisis was given this title so the king was depicted as a lawgiver or upholder of the cosmic order again uh, vashishka ha had the title called deva manusha or a god in human form from the kamra inscription 
so this has a striking correspondence to the famous dictum of manu that even an infant ruler should not be disobeyed as he was verily a great god in human form uh, so therefore uh, this there were different kinds of elements uh, which suggested that they uh, uh, they took refuse uh, refuge to the different aspects of divinity in ruling the empire and then uh, what is interesting is that in the inscription called from rabatak which is known as the rabatak inscription which changed the important uh, changed many things in the kushan history kanishka first is given the title or attribute bago bago in bactrian this is a bactrian inscription bago means god himself so now from being a devaputra or a devamanusha they are being elevated the kanishka elevated himself from um, uh, to god so the claim for royal divinity and divine descent assumes a special position in the kushan polity uh apart from this using the coins as a mode of projecting their claims for divinity the kushana rulers also constructed dynastic sanctuaries which is known as bagolaggo or bogoporo in bactrian and devakula in sanskrit or prakrit uh, inscriptions and they also became objects of divine uh, worship so we have near mathura a place called mat their uh, inscriptions have been found and there from there actually um, the temple uh, it has been the, it talks about two um, such devakula centers uh, one was in surkotal and the other is in mat uh, where you have the images of the rulers and along with the divinities and they were being worshiped uh for again the rabatak inscription belonging to kanishka first refers to the construction of a sanctuary called nana sanctuary which is known as bagolango and this sanctuary uh, houses images of different deities as well as the kushana rulers kujula katfises vimataktu and then kubima katfises and for kanishka himself so therefore uh, we find that there was um, a need uh, felt among the kushana rulers to remind them the subjects of the divine origin and the deification of kings according to bn mukherjee uh, the practice of installing and worshiping their images in shrines and people's veneration for them led to the foundation and growth of the cult of the emperor so there was this two cult cult of the emperor and the empire which helped actually uh, in the um, uh, growth of the kushan empire and to accommodate the immense diversities uh, which um, plagued the kushan um, empire and there were different kinds of uh, groups religious and cultural practices <coughs> so their idea was to bind the empire through the practice of the cult of the empire and the cult of the emperor